Hello, Harmonia podcast listeners. This is Janelle Davis, and I've come back into the studio today to record a special introduction for this week's edition of the podcast. We were sad this week to learn of the sudden and unexpected passing of Baroque oboist Washington McLean. As many of our listeners probably know, Harmonia is a production of WFIU from the Bloomington campus of Indiana University, and Washington has been on faculty at Indiana since 2001. So while his passing feels close to home to those of us who are in Bloomington, Washington was well-known and well-loved in just about every corner of the early music community. He had much more music in him to give and has gone far too young and far too soon. As it happens, by providence or by chance, last week Wendy and I met in the studio to record the podcast you're about to hear and discussed two new CDs, one with music by François Couperin, performed by the Ensemble Les Dominos, and the other, a recording of music by François Chavon. At the time, we had no way of knowing that this Chavon recording would be one of the last that Washington would ever make. Washington is heard here with his colleagues, Michael McCraw, Charlotte Nettiger, Julia Wedman, and Allison Melville. On the podcast coming up, you'll get to hear a tiny glimpse into the brilliant musicianship of Washington McLean. But not only was he an exceptional oboist, he was a generous teacher, friend, mentor, colleague, and a beautiful soul. Thank you, dear Wash, for sharing your life and your music with us. You are deeply loved and will be greatly missed. Welcome to the Harmonia Early Music Podcast. I'm Janelle Davis, and Wendy Gillespie is back. Hi, Wendy. Hi, Janelle. I think we're doing French music today from two Frenchmen by the name of Francois, which means French, doesn't it? Go figure. (laughs) I've got a 2012 Richard release of the Seven Sonatas of Francois Couperin. And I have music by his student, Francois Chauvin, Les Deux Francois. Couperin and Chavon, composed in a new genre of instrumental music in the so-called Goût Réuni. Translated, it literally means the United Tastes. I said that very carefully, didn't I? So it didn't come out United States. And it merged elements of the Italian style with French idioms, combining the French passion for programmatic music with the Italian concertato texture. One way to think about Les Goûts Réuni is quite literally in terms of taste. Think about sitting down at a fusion restaurant for dinner and ordering a meal that combines elements of different culinary traditions. You know, Wendy, there's a place here in town that serves a very specific kind of Korean-influenced Chinese food. Or, when I lived in the South, Tex-Mex was the thing. Oh, Janelle, stop. I'm getting hungry. (laughs) The point is that for a long time, European centers had developed their own specific musical tastes and styles. These differences were especially apparent between France and Italy. Well, just to continue the cooking metaphor, if we were to boil it down, Italian music included displays of virtuosity, while expression in French music was more controlled. One of my favorite anecdotes about Italian versus French style really helps me to think about this. Bertolo's 1715 La Histoire de la Musique compares Italian music to the flirtations of, get this one day, a feather-brained woman or an amiable coquette, while likening French music to a beautiful woman who's simple, natural, artless beauty wins the hearts of all who gaze upon her. 
a little biased maybe, but it's pretty apparent that the prevailing attitude of the time was that the Italian style was incapable of measuring up to French standards of good taste, despite the fact that lots of French people were totally seduced by it. By the 18th century, some French composers started to think that maybe they could benefit from a little more fire, and French composers began to incorporate Italian elements into their own music. You know, at first that was a risky undertaking. Listen to how Couperin described in his own words his first attempts at the Italian sonata. This comes from his preface to La Nation. Charmed by the sonatas of Signor Corelli, whose works I shall love as long as I live, just as I do the French works of Monsieur de Lully, I attempted to compose one myself, which I then had performed in the concert series where I had heard those of Corelli. Being unsure of myself, I did myself a very good turn through a little technical deceit. I pretended that a relation of mine had sent me a sonata by a new Italian composer. I then changed the letters of my name around in such a way that they formed a seemingly Italian name and placed it on the title page instead of my own. The sonata was devoured with eagerness, and I was encouraged. I composed others, and my Italianized name brought me, in disguise, considerable applause. My sonatas, fortunately, won enough favor for me not to be in the least embarrassed by the ruse. That's wonderful how he first snuck some Italian seasoning into his music for an unsuspecting audience. And isn't it fabulous that Monsieur de Lully was an Italian? He was Italian by birth, and then he became one of the most iconic French composers. Gosh. The other composer that Couperin mentions in that is the Italian composer Arcangelo Corelli. And we can see that Couperin emulated Corelli in his own sonatas, Many of Couperin's sonatas are trio sonatas, like Corelli's first publications. But Couperin's sonatas don't call for a specific instrumentation. Let's listen to the ensemble Les Dominos from their recording of François Couperin's complete sonatas, performing them on pairs of violins, flutes, and bass viol with harpsichord and theorbo. Wow, you can really hear Couperin using the Italian style in that imitative opening full of suspensions and and building harmonies. The only reason I would even suspect it was French music was the presence of the traverso. Right, and and just to drive that point home that you're making, Wendy, this Couperin opening reminded me so much of Corelli's Opus 4, number 6. Do you want to do a quick comparison? Sounds great. Here's the Corelli.
And here's a tiny bit of that same Couperin again. Fascinating how similar those two pieces sound. Couperin must really have had Corelli in his ear when he wrote that. Yes, I think so. But but now listen to Couperin being truly French in this air tendrement. That's gorgeous. And yes, in this one, I definitely hear the French taste. Somehow I'm imagining that beautiful woman whose simple, natural, artless beauty wins the hearts of all those who gaze upon her. (laughs) Yes. No matter his uniting of the taste, Couperin, I think, was French through and through. The sonatas on this recording were either not published at all or published only very late in his career. I love what the booklet notes say about this that this lack of publication was a clear sign of France's distrust of the sonata. But those that were eventually published were ones that Couperin renamed and revised to become the Preludes to Dance Suites in his 1726 collection of pieces called La Nation. The manuscript of the piece La Convalescent was only recently discovered, and not in France or Italy, but in Germany, of all places, in a copy made by the German violinist Pissendel. It's worth noting that this piece turns up again as Bach's BWV 578 for organ, although that attribution is spurious. Very interesting. I just wonder if the manuscript is in Pisendel's hand. Could it have been his arrangement and not Bach's? Beats me. I don't think anybody really knows. But what we can say with certainty is that Couperin was influenced by Corelli and in turn was admired by many other composers. Indeed. And one of those composers was our other Francois, Francois Chauvin. And we'll hear his music on a 2012 earlymusic.com label release, a CD called Francois Chauvin, Les Nouveaux Bijoux, or The New Gems. Francois Chauvin was an oboist and a student of Francois Couperin, 
to whom he dedicated his set of suites and sonatas, which he called Tibiad in 1717. The word tibia, in addition to being one of the leg bones between the knee and the ankle, conjures up an image of an ancient flute made of bone. Chauvin designated this publication a new genre of works. It comprises suites of movements, some as short as 29 seconds on this recording, the longest about two and a half minutes, and they illustrate the very fashionable goût réuni that we've already talked about so much. On the title page, Chauvin specifies that some of the works are for flute and oboe, and some are sonatas for violin. But within the suites themselves, he gives no indication of scoring for any individual movement. That's just like Couperin. Just like Couperin. The performers on this recording look at this lack of specific information as a wonderful opportunity for creativity. Recorder and traverso, both flutes, join the violin, oboe, bassoon, and harpsichord in all sorts of combinations, offering a wide variety of timbres and textures. Here, for example, is a programmatic allemand called La Déterminée. The first dictionary of the French language, which was published in 1680, defines a déterminée as a spiteful, fanatical, quick-tempered, boastful, reckless, and extravagant person. That person is depicted here by the oboe and violin playing in unison with bassoon and harpsichord continuum. are really good at playing in unison. They certainly are. It's not just tuning, which in itself is the first hurdle, but it's intricacies of rhythm and ornamentation that are a big challenge to performers. These people do it very well indeed. And now for something completely different. Listen to the Caprice subtitle La Curie, which is presumably named for some specific person, which combines the oboe with a high recorder on the melody. And bassoon and harpsichord again is the continual team. a very different sound world, isn't it? Yes, it is. And what a contrast there is with this sarabande, which bears the instruction that it is to be played very tenderly. Here, the bassoon carries the melody, and it's accompanied by the harpsichord. (laughs) ¶¶ 
I'm really enjoying hearing all of the marvelous orchestrations uh, on this CD, and it really holds my interest. Is, is there something new with each track? Very nearly so. In, in all, the CD contains eight suites of four to eight movements and gives us 47 different tracks with diverse instrumentation, so you get many different colors and textures to enjoy. What fun it's been, Wendy, listening to the music of Francois Couperin and Francois Chavon with you today. Podcast listeners, if you'd like to know more about either of these recordings, you can visit our website, harmoniaearlymusic.org. While you're there, you can browse our archive of blogs, podcasts, and shows, and visit our online shop where a portion of your purchase will benefit Harmonia. This has been the Harmonia Early Music Podcast. I'm Wendy Gillespie. And I'm Janelle Davis. Thanks for listening.